What's going on, guys? This is Rob Doster here. I want to let you know about our sponsors, Anchor by Spotify. If you haven't heard about them yet, it is the easiest way for you to make a podcast. I know because all of our 28 podcasts on the field of 68 and the field of 12 use Anchor by Spotify. It has the tools that will allow you to record and edit your pods right from your phone or your computer. You can distribute anywhere. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, all those places that allow you to listen to podcasts for absolutely free. Anchor sends those pods directly to the feeds. And here's the best part about it. Anchor is totally free. So make sure you download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm if you want to get started on your own podcast. We have a champion. We have a champion. John Fanta, Deshaun Butler, Field of 68 postgame show. We have a champion. It is Baylor. They beat the brakes off of Gonzaga. 86-70. Season's over. Season's complete. Gentlemen, how are we doing? Um, Sucks to watch that happen the way it did. After the game, to see the – after the Final Four, the seeing that was just like, oh, sucks. But, um, I mean – like I told you guys the other day, I thought Baylor would win this game. I kind of, I just thought they were better, and they had more, <laughs> and they obviously displayed it the first five minutes throughout the game, leading into the rest of the game. Like it was evident that yes. they were just better from, today from, from the jump. From the jump, yeah. it was clear who was better today. Um, I thought first and foremost, I just want to say we made it through the entire season. We got through an entire season. Nobody expected it. Uh, they were. The, I, I, I do feel like, and I, I don't. I don't want to get too sentimental on the point, but I do want to say that um, when this game was canceled the first time, right, exactly four months ago to the day today, when it was canceled, that's when we kind of reached a tipping point um, in college basketball, where everyone was saying. More or less, I don't know if we're going to be able to get this done. I don't know if the season's going to happen. If we can't have the most anticipated game in the college basketball regular season that we're ever going to have, how are we going to make this work? How is this going to be possible? How are we going to have this work? And we got there. Credit to Dan Gavitt. Credit to the conference commissioners. Credit to the young men and women. Because I do want to shout out the women's basketball players. Ladies. So shout out to them for going through everything that they went through. And shout out to us, God damn it, for putting together some awesome content for everybody. So it was look, amazing. We don't have a beer tonight, Dave. We uh, duh. Thing, we have a beer. Thing, baby. We're celebrating. We're what celebrating. a night. What a what a what a game. What a season. Oh man. This was fun. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. How good was Baylor's performance tonight? They're coming on right now. Shield your eyes, folks. That was a sense. <laughs> I, wish, I wish you guys could see my wife outside of the office right now just judging me. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. You know what? She should be on the show. <laughs> you've been up late. And you, know, and you know what else? And you know what else? She's going to judge me. Yeah, even God more. bless her. Wife and I forgot a cup. So here we go. Right. Go ahead. Chug it down. Credit to your wife for getting through the season. I hope you're treating her to a beautiful vacation after <laughs> yes. this at some point. Yeah, oh, yes. Eventually. Eventually. Let me tell you, I just want to just want to credit Baylor. Like that was an absolute clinic from tip to buzzer. Cannot get over how much they pushed Gonzaga around in this game. Oh my gosh. And we talk about Baylor's defense, and that defense is phenomenal. 
But on the offensive end of the floor, the way that they exploited Gonzaga's size with their guards, with the pick and roll, all the things that you thought Gonzaga had to be concerned about ended up coming to fruition. And the Baylor Bears earned this. I can only wonder what we would have been thinking about this game if Baylor didn't go through a late season COVID-19 pause. I think our opinions might have changed because they ended up having a hiccup. That might have been the best thing that ever happened to them. This team really ended up steamrolling their way through this tournament, culminating with this game, and they kind of got overshadowed nationally because you have an unbeaten team in Gonzaga. But I thought that this was just an incredible performance. And you know what, guys? Credit to Scott Drew. He has engineered one of the greatest rebuilds that we've ever seen. Jim Nance said it at the end of the game. Party on in Waco. Party on. The Bears earn this. And genuinely happy for them. First national title in 115 years of existence. Congratulations to Baylor. They should be partying all night in Waco, and I know that they will be. There's so much we could talk about that impressed us in this game. I'm sure you guys are going to get into it. But I got to tell you, what impressed me? Everything. That was a five-course meal on how to play a game. <laughs> it sure was. They, no, it really was. Uh, they, they give me your, uh, give me your initial takes. I know that you had, um, you had Baylor winning. I did not. Fant- I can't remember. I think you were you with me with Gonzaga. I had Gonzaga too, and I was dead wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so, get, t- talk to me about um, what you were most with, impressed with with this Baylor team. What you saw out of them. Uh, I, look, all right, how about this? Did you expect this, like this level of beatdown coming from from Baylor tonight? Um, honestly, I expected them to do well in offense. I just didn't know. I didn't know uh, how physical the referees would let the game get. Um, well, that, and that's a, always a problem with any defensive team. Like it doesn't matter if it was Baylor, if it was Houston, whoever. When you have these teams that are like predominantly de- defensive teams, you can get taken out of a game with a touch foul here or there, not to mention Baylor's bigs were in foul trouble the entire game. So I, I was just wondering if they would be able to slow down Gonzaga in transition and be able to defend them in the half court without, you know, it becoming like, you know, a scenario where the referees can step in and like kind of uh tame Baylor. And that wasn't the case at all. I mean, Baylor was amazing on offense, obviously, and on defense, they were pestering to the point where, I was looking on Twitter and I saw people just like, when are you going to call a foul? I'm like, I didn't, I thought Baylor looked phenomenal tonight defensively. So, I mean, just thinking about how I watched them play the last game, how I've seen Baylor's guards dominate all season. Um, I look back at my WVU game and watch what they just, after WVU like took them out of everything they can take them out of randomly because we weren't guarding as well this year. And then Baylor just said, you know what, forget it. We're just going to give the ball to Davian Mitchell. We're going to give the ball to Jared Butler, and they're going to figure it out. And then watching what UCLA did with with two somewhat bigger guards, I just I couldn't foresee Gonzaga staying in front of Baylor on the perimeter. Like their, I felt like the perimeter was just too much, and then, and Baylor had too much coming off the bench to 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 uh you know worry about losing to Gonzaga. It just it just came down to Gonzaga's defense to me. I mean, I mean, uh, excuse me, Baylor's defense to me. Yeah, I I think that's exactly right because the big thing for me um was that I expected Gonzaga to be able to be much more effective on the offensive end. Everything that Baylor did offensively was like we I I thought we knew that was going to happen, yeah. right? right? 
Yep. I thought that Baylor would actually be able to run offense, or I'm sorry, that Gonzaga would actually be able to run offense. Um, I was, I don't want to say disappointed because like it's very hard to be disappointed about a team that went 31 and one. Uh, but I thought that Gonzaga would have less issues with the ball pressure that Baylor provided, and that was dead wrong. Um, and it started right from the jump. Like you could just tell who was the tougher team. Uh, some of it was Suggs, and, and he got in foul trouble early, which sucked. Um, Nemhard wasn't ready for it. But the big one was Timmy, man. Like Timmy, Timmy turned really? the ball over lots. You think like, Timmy was the 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 big one? No, no. I'm all of them were the guards were, but like I thought that he I would have. Not, I didn't think he would have as much of, of an issue as he did. I and, thought Kesper was the was the one. I was like, oh, uh, he was. But Timmy, like, he, Timmy, hasn't been, he hasn't been what, that what good. Is, what is, what is yeah. this? What is this? Troy, what's going on, man? We can't oh, hear you. You're on mute, Troy. Hear you. You're on mute. Take yourself. Oh, look at this guy. He hops in the stream. He, he hijacks the stream, and we can't hear him. You're still – Troy. Troy, we have, I have patience, Troy. Don't worry about these guys. I got patience, Troy. Take your time, brother. <laughs> Take your time, brother. All right, so anyway, here. Um, you know what I was thinking, Rob? You know what I was thinking? Rob, you said this Saturday, and, and I thought it was a really good point. You said that Baylor – was not going to let Gonzaga dictate who they were in this game. You said Baylor was going to – like, they were going to push around Gonzaga or at least attempt to. They were going to crash the glass. They were going to be who they are. Yeah. And it didn't matter how, how Gonzaga played them. And you know what? To Deshaun's point, Deshaun brought up the, the point of, like, the foul trouble and how would that play out. I actually thought Baylor said, you know what, foul trouble okay. or not. Yeah, exactly. We are not going to let the whistle – dictate how we play this game. And that is exemplified in its greatest form by Mark Vital, who when Shamwa Chachua goes down with the foul with about 10 minutes or so in the game, it's a nine-point game if you remember, 10, yeah. 11 minutes, nine-point game, and Sham- JTT goes to the bench. And I'm thinking, hmm, maybe Gonzaga's going to have an opening here to capitalize. Mark Vital stuffs Corey Kispert. That is where your Kispert point, I think, is perfect because Kispert is taking a shot that Baylor was anticipating the whole way. You're, you're, you can't be that predictable against Baylor's defense. And then what happens? Baylor goes to the other end, and Flagler drains what felt like a dead yeah, that's, like That hurt. That hurt. I'm not going to lie to you. That hurt. That hurt. I was, I was I so impressed with their guards, bro. I was – you know when I really knew that they were like, – obviously the first half, like, it got out of control somewhat pretty quickly. But when it got to the – when it, when when Macy Oteague started getting – when he ran off like eight in a row, I was sitting there. I was like, yeah, this is going to be bad. Because obviously Jared Butler was hooping. And that was one of the telltale signs we talked about before, Fanta. Yes, we did. That's what we talked about before. It's like if Jared Butler is playing well, then it might be a problem. But Jared Butler was playing well. Davian Mitchell was playing well. And I was just sitting there thinking, all right, well, you know, if anyone else decides to step in and score for Baylor, it could get out of hand. And then Macy O.T. ran off each straight. I was just like, yeah, this is – it's just a matter of time. They could, they could continuously recycle the bigs all they want. They were all in foul trouble. That's the thing. But were you – before? I'm sorry to even continue like this, but – were were you worried? Not worried, but more or less intrigued because I thought that when when Gonzaga started ball screening and they started getting those switches, and when they had Mayer on Timmy, and then they had other 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 guys on Timmy, and Timmy was getting fouls and they were getting to the free throw line, and they had their two the three bigs with two three fouls. 
sure. I was I kind of thought they were on to something, and then they did it, they didn't stick with it at all. They kind of like strayed away from it. Yeah, yeah, no, they definitely did. And and there was there was another thing that they did once in the second half that worked against the high ball screen. They they tagged with the high man, right? Remember we talked about that? Yeah, 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 yeah. They tagged with the high man. And what that what that means is that you you double the guy coming off the screen and the player that's not in the corner but higher, the guy on the wing extended is tagging the roller, which means going to make sure that it can't get the pass to the roller. They did it yeah. once in the second half and forced a shot clock violation. Every other time they got dunks and wide open threes. One time they did it in the second half and it worked. Anyway, Troy, do we have you? Yes. Yes. yes! yes! Yeah, yeah, yeah. He made hey. it finally. I don't know if anybody knows this, and certainly the people on the stream don't know this, but Troy has been asking me to come on like nonstop. All year long. And so what I would do is I would um, text him the link to jump into the stream. Like when we had two minutes left. So that like yeah. if he jumped in, then we wouldn't be able to get there. Or I'd be like, oh, my bad. I didn't see the text just to fuck with him just because I didn't want to. Yeah. And half the time I was like outside with my dog 15 minutes from like being in bed and being like, come on. Have I not done enough for you to be on this show? Apparently, Unbelievable. Rob, but, Rob but Oh, he's the worst. But all that matters is that I'm here now. And uh, yes, uh, just to hop in, all I will say is this. I was blown away at the, the fact that Gonzaga was never able to make that run. They were never able to do that against UCLA. They were up five. They were up seven. They never pushed it to nine or 11. And they were never able to get it from nine to seven to five tonight. And I think because of that, it was just like, they were around, but they never had the juice to get back in it. And that actually surprised me. Not surprised by anything Baylor did. Baylor has been legit the whole year. But we really needed to see this game to know for sure who was who. The, the, biggest, problem, the biggest problem is that you had to know that Gonzaga wasn't going to be able to consistently get stops and wasn't going to be able to string together stops. And as soon as they were not able to, to score – as soon as they dug themselves that 10-point hole, like we knew it was over. At least I knew it was over. I was like, I don't think they're going to be able to make a run against this team because they're not going to be able to get stops. And you can't go against a team where you know is going to put up 85. You can't go the first six minutes of the game without hitting a field goal. No. It's just not going to work. And I don't think – you know, it's one thing – it's one thing to watch. Uh, you used to hear this about like VCU's press, and uh, you would hear it about West Virginia all the time. Day when when they were doing the press Virginia thing, yeah. You can watch these this, these ball the 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 way that they guard the ball on film, and you can have your coaches sit there and say, "This is what they're going to do. This is going to ha- how you're they're going to guard you." And you Different can go out there and you can practice it, and you can have your walk ons, and you can have your bench players, and you can have your practice squad, and you can have the guys that are supposed to be over the the the, the scout team. Go out there and do all the stuff that you expect Baylor to do. You 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 don't know what you're going to get out of Davion Mitchell hawking you until you have Davion Mitchell hawking you. And to me, that was the most evident thing is that Gonzaga was just not ready for what Baylor was about to throw at them, and and it cost them. Yeah, I feel like just preparation for those things. Like you can't like just like you said, Rob. You can't mimic what teams do, but you can sometimes go overboard in a sense where you're preparing. Uh, I think uh, when I was in college, when we played, when I played for John Beeline, we we ran our one three one. We would play our one three one defense. It'll be eight on five. We would play one three one defense with eight oh, offensive man. players and five defensive wow. players to make sure we all got to the three point line when guys caught the ball at the three point line to make sure we forced them off and forced them to drive and think to certain things. 
we practiced um, when I when I played uh, in the my senior year. We practiced to prepare for uh, for Missouri or any team that pressed man to man and ran and jumped. We practiced with like six guys in the court on defense just to give us that look. So like, I just it's very difficult to do that because this isn't like a junk defense or this isn't a press. This is just simple man to man defense, and Baylor is just amazing at it. And it's just like it's just so tough to for Gonzaga of all teams. And it's not and I say all teams because Gonzaga is a great team this year, but they're great at what they do as opposed to what Baylor does. I kind of feel like Baylor has four or five guards who are really good basketball players. The team's offense mainly relies on them gapping and kicking for wide open jump shots for threes and and, and obviously putting that much pressure in the rim. It, it, you have to collapse in a sense, or you're giving up a wide open layup. But I still feel like Baylor, at its core, it's still a defensive and rebounding team who has really good guards. Like they, yeah, they, I mean, I mean that's a great setup. Right? Like they have yeah. one guy that maybe isn't a defender, but the rest of those guys, like Jared Butler, is not like a lockdown or anything like that. But the rest of those guys, they all get after it. But they're, they're here's good. The thing. But they're, they're, here, they all here's, get after. here's the thing, like that what they what they hang their hat on is their ability to lock you up man-to-man in the half court and their ability to get on the offensive glass. But Mm -hmm. what makes them elite is the fact that they have three guys that are legit great in ball screens. They are the best three-point shooting team in the country, and it's not because they have one guy shooting a ton of threes. It's because they have five guys that shoot 40% from beyond the arc, right? So when you combine what they can do defensively with the way they get on a glass, with the fact that they can space you out and put everybody in ball screens, like that is legitimately what you do in the NBA. You have great on-ball defenders, guys that can defend you in isolation, and guys that you cannot guard one-on-one, and they put the pressure on you to do it because they space the floor. It's 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 unbelievable to watch. And then my favorite part about it is that when Scott Drew first got there, like the first four or five years, um, when he yep. really got this thing going, like they were on zone, saying. man. They, like they were running like junk one three ones and that like that bullshit like, like one three. One, one, three. No, it's not bullshit. That shit was an elite. That was elite. <laughs> no one, first of all, no one except for the guys at Baylor know how to run it. No one can scout it because they don't know what any of the, the matches or what they, anyone's doing. There was just like five guys out there running around, putting their arms up. Like, and it was not even a one three one day. Don't you dare call it that. Was, no, I, I didn't say it was a one three one. It was like, first of all, it was like a two three. So it was, it's a two three, but it has like different. It has different uh, re- like uh, responsibilities within the two three, and you know it's it was elite because no one knew what the hell they were doing, and they did it amazing, and it kind of helped them win. But but you know what? Here's the thing: Baylor's the better team, and and matched up so so well with Gonzaga. It's a bad matchup for Gonzaga. Yeah, but I do think sometimes this happens in our world. Like like uh, twenty eighteen comes to mind. Villanova dominating their way to a national championship, and the twenty eighteen title game wraps up, and everybody's like, "What a supreme team! A superior team!" individuals that came together that team had four of the top 35 draft picks and let me tell you Sam Vesaney came on on Saturday night and and if we all recall he was talking about Davion Mitchell's draft stock kind of rising and I'm seeing on Twitter Davion Mitchell needs to be a top 10 pick Davion Mitchell needs to be a top 10 pick um are you he need to be a top 10 pick in December December, I'm (laughs) I'm thinking about him five or six. You know how there's an undefined range in this NBA draft coming up this summer? Like, what are teams going to do from seven to 12? I'm sorry that you shouldn't have to think twice once you get past the top three or four picks in this draft class if you even have to think that far. Top five. Tonight, top five. Tonight, I, 
there's uh, five guys at the top of the draft fan that are elite prospects. The best player in this game was Davion Mitchell, and it wasn't close. It wasn't close. He set the tenor of the game. It didn't help that Suggs was in foul trouble, but you've got to impose your will. And tonight, Davion Mitchell imposed his will on this game. Jared Butler looked like the All-American guard that we know he can be. Like, that's the biggest difference for me. If you ask me what is the biggest difference for Baylor these last two games, it's that Jared Butler in the first four NCAA tournament games for this Baylor team went six for 24 from three-point range. And in the last two, he went eight for 11. Ball game. The game's over. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and and not to mention he had seven assists tonight and zero turnovers. Zero turnovers, exactly. All-American. so there, there was something interesting. I'll actually give Rob a ton of credit for this. I think earlier he said that, like, Baylor is not, um, you know, beating Gonzaga with this high-tech offense. They're just beating them on ball screens. Like, And it's funny because five, six years ago when Scott Drew, was, Scott Drew was early in his Baylor career, people used to criticize him for just rolling the ball out and play. You know, like, he didn't run X's and O's. I mean, it's the very much the, the Scott Drew can't coach crab. But he got his guys who bought in and – he plays a simple style, very much uh, similar in vain to John Calipari. Doesn't run a dynamic offense, gets the guys who know how to do that, and that's what he had. It experienced guys who had transferred, so they're logging extra years, guys who wanted to play and just, like, play hard. And it's hilarious that uh, Baylor, which is, like, 1B the whole year at worst, it w- came in thinking that they were had no shot when – we all were like, I think we, I think they can do this. I, I think, I think they're probably even. Yeah. It, it, it's fascinating how, how, uh, how far off they were from Gonzaga in the eyes of the general public heading into the night when they're very much. I mean, now we know they're 10, 15 points better than them. Well, the, the um, problem, the problem with that is that um, what happened, like when they went into their pause, Baylor, Baylor was legit bad defensively for like three or four weeks when they got out of their pause. Like they, that was not. That was not a fluke. That was not a narrative. That was not something that that the media created. Like they were bad defensively for three weeks. And if you ask anybody on that roster, and I guarantee if you ask the coaching staff, they'll tell you the exact same thing. They were bad. That was because they were out of shape and they had three weeks where they had to play a shitload of games. They weren't able to get practice in. They weren't even able to get reps in on Sheldra, all that kind of stuff. So once they started clicking again, this was the Baylor team that we saw throughout the whole year. And I, I think I made this point the other night. In uh on January 28th. Three days before they went to their pause, Baylor was actually the number one team on Kempom. They had actually asked Gonzaga on Kempom to, to take over the number one ranking. Um, I want to ask you guys this. There's a couple of bigger picture topics that I want to touch on that aren't specifically about this game. First and foremost, is Baylor the best program build in the history of college basketball? Because I think you can make the argument that there is. There's, there's two others that I think deserve to be in the same conversation. That's UConn for what Jim Calhoun was able to build there. Uh, turn it to something a program that can win four consecutive or four NCAA tournaments out of 15 years. Yeah, and the other, is, the other is Arizona because what Arizona was before Lute Olson got there was nothing, and he turned it into a juggernaut for like the the late 80s and the 90s and the early 2000s. Like those Arizona teams, they had uh, Miles Simon, Mike Baby, Michael Dickerson, great, uh, great recruiting, like, very yeah, great recruiting. But yeah, UConn, and I probably put is. Baylor after that before if in out of those three you I would say Baylor's two uh, UConn like UConn is is great isn't aren't there other teams that had like the same coach that had rebuilds that like that they rebuild it like what was well, Duke before Coach K got there I do think uh, the circumstances of the rebuild and how yeah, I was gonna say, to yeah. is what's going to weigh it all down is because all right, cool, how, yeah. 
how how the why there was a rebuild. I'm like UConn is probably they're they're the biggest blue blood that's not a blue blood. Blue I guess. Blood, yeah, 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 you can say like, that. And four championships will do that. But Baylor, I mean, they're they're the SMU and probably were like the closest thing in football is probably SMU. And they didn't. I mean, we won't go into the the Baylor stuff, but it I, we've never seen anything like it. So there may have been better rebuilds, but yes. given how we got there, I don't think there is. Yeah, in terms of the how, like that's that's a great point, Troy. Is is this is a unique circumstance here? Uh, this program was shoved to the basement, you know, by a lot of people because of things yeah. that went way beyond basketball. And and frankly, when you have to face that type of criticism, it becomes really difficult to be able to build culture and get the right kids and understand what you're doing. And I'm sure that Scott Drew woke up some mornings and was like, "Am I doing the right thing?" He he surely had his doubts. But what's amazing is not only is this a buildup, but you know what else it is, guys? It's a buildup in the conference that was most fit to win a national championship this year. It's <laughs> yeah. a buildup in the same conference that Bill Self coaches and Chris Beard coaches. Like the Big 12 uh, gives you absolutely no mercy. And for the longest time in this sport, one of the top narratives was, like literally maybe the top regular season narrative was, Kansas will not lose the Big 12 regular season title. They will march on. Well, the last two years, Scott Drew has stepped in, and he is here to stay. And that's the thing. The rebuild's complete, but I will go on record right now. This is one. Baylor's going to have number two here sometime in the next three or four years. I, I'm buying this stock. I don't think this is their. This is like a lone title thing. To me, they are going to be a machine. They Scott Drew reminds me. Like his culture, his emotion, that smile, that charm. Scott Drew has charm, in my opinion. It kind of gives me. It kind of gives me Jay Wright. Vibes. Scott Drew gives me Jay Wright vibes. He does. But he is he's, not. The, he's, like the, he's not okay. the dresser. Nah, he's not as cool. He's not as cool as Jay Wright. <laughs> yeah, is. But, he's, but he's Scott, Scott Drew. Is, Scott Drew is the man. I, I hear you, fans. I hear you, fans. A very like. He's the man. Of, no, he's down to earth. The good yeah. guy. Um, what I'm gonna is this. The vibes there. The, the reason why I wouldn't put Baylor at number one is because we haven't seen it sustained yet. I, I yeah, expect sure. it to sustain That's it. why. UConn, UConn did exactly. it over the course of two decades and a, a coaching change. Now, the shit kind of went to hell when at the end of Kevin Ollie's tenure, but he also won a national title in 2014. Um, Arizona has kept it going, and, and I do believe that if Sean Miller didn't have this, uh, you know, FBI investigation hanging over his head. He probably would have made it to a final four by now. Like he really had that thing rolling in 2014 and 2015, getting all of the kids from SoCal. So um, that's why I would put those two uh, above Baylor because they have sustained longevity. And here's the other question. Where do you put Gonzaga in this entire conversation? I don't think that you can have them anywhere near uh, the number one spot because of the fact that they haven't won a title yet. And I'm saying yet because they are going to win a title eventually. Uh, Mark Fee will get it done. But I will say this. Um, the fact that Gonzaga is coming from the West Coast Conference, is coming from fucking Spokane, Washington, which is the middle of nowhere. The only talent that's worse than Spokane, Washington is probably like uh, Connecticut or like New Hampshire. That's probably the only place in Can America. Can I ask you a question? In Eastern Washington. Hit me. So how um uh, State and Butler and all these other schools who are like who were mid majors and solid teams and solid programs can like change conferences and go up to mm-hmm. bigger and better conferences. But why? How come Gonzaga doesn't do that? 
they don't want to leave. I'm always curious about that because, and it's like, cause you, you get the same, you get the same nonsense from everybody during the year, which I kind of feel good about it now because the big 12 won the national championship, but yeah. you know, we followed the big 10 all year. We followed big 12. We, we missed uh, as much a uh, little bit on the, 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 the pac 12s conversation as much as we should, we shouldn't have, but I mean, we have, and I've, and I'm like, Zaga does really well for where they are. At the same time, I kind of feel like people can always hold that against them saying, you know, they don't play anybody. They don't, you know, have a great conference schedule. And when it gets to them, regardless of where they lose, they come up short. And well, then you have this sharp and steel thing, teams that win the championship. So the, the only know, reason I mean, I Virginia, on the, they play the ACA or the Big 12. and, and like, The simple answer is football. And so so yeah, that's, that's a, you have to acknowledge the fact that they don't have football. And that yeah. if, if they yeah, are going to sure. the step up is. Yeah, that, that's a huge problem because those football schools are going to say, wait a minute, they're not benefiting off our football revenue. And, and Baylor could, or sorry, Butler could go to the Big East, which was not a football dominant uh, conference, where the next step up for Gonzaga would probably be the Mountain West. And that is a, uh, a fringe power for yeah, football. That's, exactly, that's the reason. Yeah. I'm, sure, I'm, I'm sure now they can work something out because, I mean, um, BYU is an independent for football but plays in the West Coast Conference. Uh, there, there are things. Yeah. But I think it's like Rob said, like, why, why would they want to? They got a good thing going, you know? It's true. It's true. But but if this is going to be a trend, maybe, it, I mean, this narrative has been there now going on a well, Isn't it already a trend? Isn't yeah. it already a trend? That's what I'm saying. It's like, I kind of feel, I kind of feel like it, it, it's like a detriment to them in a sense where, all right, the, at the end of the day, we know Gonzaga's going to win their conference. It's a, it's a given. And, they're going to go play this non-conference schedule where they're going to play all these juggernauts and do well. And they have this good team. And I kind of feel like if they play in a better conference during the season, they can take those punches and then get better. But they never took any real punches during their conference schedule. But yeah, here's here's the thing with that day. Like they've been to six straight sweet 16s. They've been to two of the last four national title games. Which is they didn't play West Virginia twice. Yeah, but can I ask you a question though? In, in in the tournament this year, what teams did they play? And I and I'll throw if you say Creighton, I look at Creighton as they're they're not even as far as talent like talent wise. Creighton's a good team. They're not Gonzaga, so like even then, I look at Creighton as a a smaller team. Like I look at I like if I if I were to see Creighton against Baylor, I'd be like, well, Baylor's supposed to win because I mean, just looking at the the way the teams stack up. If I look at Gonzaga, I look at Creighton, and who else did Gonzaga play going into? I, it's, it's part of being their number one seed, so I grasp that. But if I go off of their non conference schedule, I mean their conference schedule, and then go all the way into the tournament where they just like not playing the the but competition, also- it, it's like it kind of feels like all right. Well, they came off of this their conference schedule, which has been light in comparison to their non-conference schedule. And they go in, they, they're the number one seed. They play a light six, like whoever the play-in game is. They they win that. They go to the next game. It's a lighter version of that. To then go to, after the Sweet 16, you play against Creighton. And then, I mean, still a light version of a team that they're supposed to beat. And it's no, like they haven't got a chance to play anybody. But, here, but here's, here's the problem with that is that, one, 
they were they were tested. They they got everything that BYU could handle in the WCC title game, and they found a way to win that. BYU yeah. did not miss a shot. Like the BYU's game plan in the first half was don't miss, make every yeah. shot you take. Right. Same thing with UCLA in the final four. Like they, okay, UCLA was an 11 seed first four. They made every every fucking shot that they took in the in the final four game. Like that was so. There's a, there's a stat, and this this is one of the, the craziest things that I I've heard about of the final four is that there's a stat called shot quality. I don't know if you guys pay attention to this, but it's basically just a metric that this guy puts together to determine what your number of expected points would be based off of how good the shots are that you got and the likelihood that you could get the, the offensive rebound off of them. And uh, Gonzaga should have beaten UCLA by 22 points on an average night. If both of them had an average shooting night, Gonzaga would have won that game by 22 points. And, uh, and you know how many you know how many points UCLA was holding their uh, NCAA tournament opponents to below their average regular season? 22 points. But then look at yeah. look at UCLA's route on the way there, though. Again, and look at their route, and then look who they—they played against a good Oregon team during the year. They played against uh, this. Granted, Oregon State wasn't great during the season, no, yeah, but, but it was enough. Hey, hey, and I, I, I hear you. I hear you, man. But I just find it—I find it strange. That's all. Gonzaga's been, been to six straight Sweet Sixteens, right? They've been to three Elite Eights in that period, and they've been to two national title games. Like, how much more? can you do than that? You run into a North Carolina team and you, your all American point guard sprains his ankle and you run into a North Carolina team that beats you, right? Yeah. Not much you can do about it. That shit happens. Then in this game, you run into a Baylor team and maybe we were just wrong. And Baylor was really the, the team that was historically great and kicking everybody's ass. I don't think that it was a fluke that Gonzaga was as good as they were. No, 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 no it's not. I want to say it's a fluke. Go ahead. Though. Go ahead. Find him. My bad. Here's the thing for a moment. This tournament is very arbitrary. It's very random. It has a lot of things that happen in it that you really can't project. And Gonzaga has been one of the predictables. You know when a bracket comes out that if you are in the same first weekend as Gonzaga, you're not getting out of it. And I got to tell you, when you consider the fact that there are 353 teams to start a season, if you're one of the final 16 teams left, you're doing something right. And if you're one of the final 16 teams left, then you're doing every year like they've been, then you're really doing something right. I do think these two things can be true. I think that, number one, when you play that conference schedule over the course of two months, there takes a tinkering when you are a high speed. And to Rob's point, you've been to six straight sweet 16s. But by the same token, your seed does get benefited by that conference and dominating your way through it and rolling your way through it. So that when you hit that second weekend, when you have to face – four of that caliber of teams in a row to win a national championship, that's where not playing in the Big 12, where Baylor's getting Kansas, Texas, Texas Tech, West Virginia, back to back to back to back. That's where that does prepare them better. But I'm going to ask you guys this. Had Gonzaga seen a team like Baylor this season before tonight? There was, there, there was no team like Baylor, and I think you can make the argument. Uh, I'll make the argument right now. There has not been a team like Baylor, at least since I've been doing this. There has not been a team like Baylor since the Ken Palm era started. And I, I got proof of this. This is, this is definitive proof. They are the first team since 2002 to finish top five nationally in defensive turnover percentage, 
in offensive rebound uh, offensive rebounding percentage and three point shooting percentage. Nobody has ever been as good at them at forcing turnovers, at getting offensive rebounds, and as at making threes. And those are the three of the four things that are the most important things you can do according to the uh, the four factors. Which is like four factors. We don't have to go a deep dive into analytics here, but the theory behind the four factors, which is created by this guy named Dean Oliver, is that the four things you do to be able to be the most efficient team and win games of basketball are free throw rate, shooting percentages. Turnover, turnover battles, and rebounding battles. Possessions, get, possessions, yeah, possessions, possessions. Get the most possessions you can and be as efficient as possible in scoring on those possessions, and you're going to win basketball games. And what Baylor can do is get get more possessions better than anybody that we've seen in the history of college basketball, at least in the Kerpom era. And they also do the one thing that makes you the most efficient you could possibly be better than anybody else in college basketball this season, and that's shoot the three. So, like, the idea that – Yes, I hear you. Gonzaga probably should have been better. Also, they were a team that was 31-0 that beat the shit out of Kansas, that beat West Virginia, that beat the shit out of Iowa, that beat a whole bunch of really good teams this year, made it all the way to the national title game. On a night where Baylor played their A game and and Gonzaga brought their C game. I I just – I get what you're saying, Dave, but I just – like I I don't think – I don't want this game to tie into a narrative that says like – Gonzaga can't win the big one. Because how many teams have we seen over the years where we said, like, you can't win the big one until you actually yeah. win the big one, right? Like, yeah. Jim Calhoun yeah. had it for a while. Bill Self had it for a while. John mm-hmm. Calipari had it for a while. Everybody can't win yeah. the big one until they actually yeah. win the big one. Jay, Jay Wright lost yeah, three or sure. four first-round games and then won two. Remember what Jay Yeah, but, here, but, but, but not, not my, to, my point is, obviously, I don't want to – I don't – oh, my bad, go ahead. Oh, no, I, I was just going to say not to uh, crap all over all of that, but – by by the way, yeah. it's really hard to drink prosecco out of a big bottle. I just want to put that out there. I should. I really should have brought a cup. That is a trick. That, that is true. Did you not? It'll get you. I, I, I was too excited to. Talk to him, Talk to him, I have I have one question. If you keep going, it gets that. easier. I, my one question is, Rob, did you not prepare for tonight, or did you just drink all your beer and now you're in prosecco? <laughs> well, uh, I. And then I, my stat is this: is it's actually a question. Is name the last time Gonzaga beat a three seed or higher in the NCAA tournament? It was two thousand. Say that so, again. I couldn't hear you. Name, name the last time Gonzaga beat a three seed or higher in the NCAA tournament. It was two thousand. Like, I I don't want to write into stat narratives and the seed lines and everything, but like that is something. No, like to to that point, I don't. Obviously, I brought up Gonzaga playing in in. A, conference and i know everybody's like well he's saying if you don't play in a, if you don't play conference, you won't win an ncaa tournament not the point is that if gonzaga not even let's say they don't play in a different term a different conference and they just play in the conference they're in if they were to even schedule like a couple non-conference games to prepare themselves for what is to come now yep the conference the the knock because they won those games and it's a little bit easier to win for you're in out of, like you're in your non-conference schedule. You've just beat uh, Kansas. You've already played against the Kansas team. When you go to the next team, if they're not as good as Kansas that day, or if they're whatever, they beat the next teams. They they played these teams in a row, so they have a rhythm against a good team. They have rhythm against good teams. They've won it. Now you go into your conference schedule, and now you dial it. Like, that's what happens. They're going to dial it back in their conference. You can't tell me if Gonzaga went and played Abilene Christian University 10 times 
and then go and then and went and played Baylor, they'd be just the same team. Like, no, it's not in yeah, real you know life, it's not that well. So in general, if they had it in their conference schedule, just to schedule one or two games before the conference schedule ends, they're gonna go into conference, the conference uh tournament and all that stuff. They're gonna play and all these things, but I kind of feel it does them such a big disservice because they are a really great team. And then you go into your conference and then you shit on people. Yeah, and then you shit. The, it's not a problem. The problem I just kind of feel only, like I, what you're saying is not wrong. But the only problem I have with that narrative is that you're assuming that getting to the national title game means nothing. Like they got to the yeah, national no, facts, title facts, facts, game. Yeah, that's the title game. That's the like, national title game. They, they, they were losing the second weekend. You'd be right. If they couldn't get yeah. past the Sweet 16, you'd be right. They've been in two of the last four national title games. Like, because they're the second best team in America, according to these these, these standards, like, they can't win the big one? Like, So That's, what the fuck yeah. is the Final Four? Like, is the Final yeah, Four facts, not a big facts, one? Facts, what facts, 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 facts. to a Final Four? So, like, yeah, I get you know what, what you're saying. And, and look, the problem is, like, that's always going to be there until they actually get they it actually win. Yeah, until they uh, actually it's always going to be there until they actually get it done. But in my mind, if you go from the elite eight to the final four, you won the big one. If you go from the final four to the national title game, you nice. won a big one. Just because you haven't won the national title yet does not say anything about the the standard of your program. It no, just, no, it definitely you doesn't. You haven't won a national title yet. You only get I don't, I don't hold anything against Gonzaga's program more or less. I just feel like um, it sucks that they they keep missing this, like not keep missing it, but I feel like they, they definitely could have won the national title, and I feel well, like they didn't because they, they did not. When they, have, they, when they, they have weren't Chet sharp, and Walker Kessler next year, they're one of the national title. Let's put. Can I ask you a question? Can I ask you a question? Right Who now? else is coming back to that team? Let's talk about that now. Well, Who let's, co- who's coming back? Not Suggs. Not Jalen Suggs. Yeah, they, that's uh, the entire like, like the, the main six guys that played are not going to be there. So I Suggs, Suggs is gone. Um, I would not be surprised if Ayayi was gone because I think he's going to be an early second round pick. So Suggs, Ayayi, the, the same. Timmy, I think Timmy did not do himself any favors with his performance tonight. Like I, I, I thought he was pretty bad against that ball pressure. Like he tried to do his his like dribble between people stuff, and like that ain't going to work against Davion Mitchell and Mark Vital. Um, I think that Nemhard. We'll see. Like he's 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 a senior by class. Like he he's gonna graduate. Like I don't know if it makes sense for him to come back. Um, but like the thing about it is they have so much talent that didn't play. Like I know ben Greg, ben Greg is a top 40 prospect. Uh Umar Balo is is just a stud that from uh from Mali. Like I, I remember like the 2019 U whatever is like he was tearing it up there. Uh, they got a kid named Pavel Zab, whatever. I, I'm not going to even bother trying to say his name. Um, Julian Strawther's like a former top 60 recruit. They got a couple other guys on the bench that are top 60 recruits. You know they're going to be all over that transfer portal because they've been killing Facts. it for the transfer. So, like, I'm not I'm not worried about them. Being no, they should be the preseason number one team in the country heading into next year. They uh, have- here's, here's my hot take. Anybody doing a top preseason top 25 right now is just wasting their fucking time because we have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I know, we uh, sure. It's like it really half is. Of America, uh, half of the players that are eligible for college basketball next year are in the transfer portal. Yeah. And we just probably know. added <laughs> and, 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 and 10 more guys are going in there. And 10 more guys are going in tonight after this game. Yeah. So. <laughs> There's some butlers in the transfer portal right now. <laughs> Yo, I'll, I'll be honest. I work for a sports book, and we got odds for the 2022 NCAA tournament, and it's foolish to bet now because you have no – like, I, yeah, we can't even decide who's going to be the number one team entering the season. It's foolish. It is so yeah. up and down, but that's the great thing about it. But, yeah, Rob – oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Of all down. the programs in the country, I would say Gonzaga has the most knowns 
heading into next year. Really? I, oh, I, so? I, oh, I, it's, I, it's I, depends, I, fan, it I all mean, depends on, like, on who decides to come back. Exactly. Like, because, because if I look at this roster right now, there are one, two, three, four, five, six. There's six dudes that have 20, uh, excuse me, 19 minutes or more. The rest of the guys on their team play 13 minutes or less. And I'm talking about after 13, the next number is seven. None of these guys got Marshall a Rob ton Hall. of minutes this year. Yeah, like, they, 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 even at conference. Even like, at conference. They, they, the, the conference that's supposed to, like, get them properly prepared for the NCAA yeah. tournament. They were six guys top of it. I will say this. If you does have one weakness, like his big weakness in my mind is that he – he loves to play his starters and does not get some of the guys, like some of his bench depth, enough minutes uh, yeah. to prepare them for the situation. Yeah, but, but, like, I, I, but those guys are good. Teams win win national championships with six guys, and like, exactly. Like, can we just for a second, like, who won the national championship tonight? Like, Baylor won the national championship, and Baylor oh. kicked Gonzaga's ass. And heading into this game, people thought that Gonzaga might be the best offensive team in the history of college basketball. Jay Billis, who is the master of all things, apparently, said that it was the best passing team that he had ever seen in his lifetime. When he says something like that, that's not just bullshit. That's real. So for my money, like, let's give let's give Baylor the credit that it's due. They kicked his ass yeah, tonight. they did. Oh, they did. And I know that – I know – but, like, we just spent 20 minutes on Gonzaga, and, and I just, I just want to bring this up. This tournament is a freaking crapshoot. Like now, the narrative down in Columbus, Ohio, is Chris Holtman can't win in the NCAA tournament. That's oh, crap. <laughs> That's crazy. It's the definition. That's crazy. Jay Wright fired in Philadelphia, and if we're going to talk about the best rebuilds, Jay Wright in 2011 stripped his program. He stripped it. He said, "I don't like the kids I'm bringing in. I have to get the right kids. I have to figure out a way to rebuild." "Quote unquote" attitude. Now the guy's got two national. Two. He still has two of the last five national championships, and he took a team to the Sweet 16 that literally did not possess a point guard. My point is, this tournament is arbitrary. We oh, have to get. We happen to get the best championship game in terms of anticipation and hype and numbers that we yep. have gotten in the last 16 years. But by the same token. Gonzaga faced UCLA in the Final Four, and nobody ever saw that coming. The point being, if you make the national championship game in this tournament, you are an elite program. And if you've done nice. it two last, if you've done it two last four years, you're doing something right. They ran into North Carolina, who was not going to lose after getting beat at the Jenkins, and they ran into a Baylor team that is an outstanding defensive. Team and put it all together. And yeah, I know Ohio State fans don't care about basketball where they would push that narrative against Hope. <laughs> I mean, the point is, you I've seen it, but you know, I, I'm fired up because I just think that in this sport, we're so stuck in how we see things. Like, if you were making a top 25, which would be, I agree with Rob, the definition of crap, people are gonna put people are gonna put <laughs> Carolina in the top 15, top 20 every single time. When I will tell you right now, I will take Michigan, Villanova, Baylor, and Gonzaga before I'll take any of the schools that you think are blue bloods. I'll take Baylor, Villanova, Michigan, Gonzaga, or Virginia over Duke, Kentucky, Carolina, and Kansas. Any Facts. day of the week right now in this sport, eight days a week. Facts. Mm-hmm. Yep, I agree with all of that. Yeah, so, you guys might be right. Maybe I'm I'm just uh no. I, want, I want I want Mark Few to win so bad. It's hey, like Sean, I, I felt I felt bad for him. I was happy for Scott Drew today, but I just think he has he's been running such an amazing program 
and he always misses out on it. And the only thing that you can think of is this thing. I mean, and then maybe it's not really a thing. It's just more or less it's just the way the ball falls, man. You know what, Deshaun, it is part of that. But you know what? I don't think you were necessarily disrespecting Gonzaga as much as you were trying to explain why this happened tonight. I think it was more of you digging deep and saying, how did this happen? Why did they get their ass beat? It's basketball. It's a make-or-miss game. And the fact is, Jared Butler and Macy O.T. were hitting shots that they weren't always in the NCAA tournament. And and, and look, your point – I'm sorry, Charlie. One one thing. Your your point about – not being prepared for a, a team that could do what ba- this Baylor team does is 100% accurate. But I also don't know what league you can play in to be ready for what Baylor does. Because yeah. like that, that fucking team, man, like I, yeah. the more I watch them in the tournament. It wasn't even a Baylor thing. I kind of felt like it was just more of the teams that – like the teams that Baylor plays, the the, oh, yeah. the consistency of playing in – and I'm not saying just because, like, this because these teams, the consistency of playing in a league like the Big Ten or the Big Twelve, these teams lost the first weekend as well. You know what but I mean? So it's not a it's not a knock on any team that's not in those big conferences. But the one thing I will say about those conferences is that you have to literally bring your A game absolutely every night because exactly. if you don't, you're gonna get folded. And I feel like a team like Gonzaga put in that in that kind of environment, the talented players that they have. They they would be one of the like it, I just get out of here. Hey, let me ask you guys this: What is the best? Season night. What's the best in a week in a college basketball week? What is the best TV time slot in this sport? I have mine taken always. It's nine o'clock ESPN every Monday night with Bob Schusman and Fran Fraschilla, and that makes Monday game. It is nice. the highest level that this sport gets. And tonight, we saw the highest level this sport gets to on display. The Big 12 was the best college basketball conference there was this year. The middle of the Big 10 got overrated by national media. And as a result, the Big 10 took a dump in the NCAA tournament. The Big 12 was the best, and it showed. But I uh, two things. First, my favorite time slot, the 11.59 Thursday night West Coast tip, because I love watching <laughs> basketball at 12.59 a night. Like, But, yes, you, you're correct. But also – uh, you just want to see Bill Walton try to tell stories when he's high. Let's That's go. Let's throw it down. Big <laughs> but, uh, but, but, but to, to, kind of to circle it back to just the tournament at large is, and to counter John's point is that I don't think you can define the Big the Big Ten by this tournament because, like you said, it's a goddamn 68-team tournament where anything can happen. That's why I always say, I like in any sport, even uh, pro sports, getting to a conference final is enough for me. Because winning it all is freaking hard. Like, oh, I agree. Fans, fans want teams to be great, and they forget how so hard it is to be really consistently good. Yeah. And so, if you make a Final Four, dude, that's enough. Anything else is house money. You you make it to a conference final, house money after that because it's so goddamn hard to get great to that point. Man. And then you have so much stress and baggage from the whole year. And I I think it's unfair to Gonzaga. They got shat on when they were losing to the eight, nine seeds in the yeah, second game yeah. of the first weekend. Now they're going to get shat on because they're losing a national championship. championship yeah. And it's really sad because it's like they've done everything we've wanted. They, they, Like we said, they're a nothing program no one has ever heard of. And now they are a legit powerhouse in college basketball on a year-to-year basis. And we're finding reasons to dump on them because they don't play in a power conference. Those are the same yeah, idiots. Same idiots. Gonzaga had something in Oregon State for the title. They're the same idiots who would say, "Oh, Gonzaga did." Of course, they gave the championship. Go eat a hot dog. 
I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lay off the Big Ten. The Big Ten was just absolutely terrible. So I don't, <laughs> we're terrible in this tournament. So I'm not gonna lay off the Big Ten. But no, I do I do agree with you. Oh, and your yeah, point bro. is completely completely like, right as far as Gonzaga. The Big Ten. I'm not like used to crap lay off on like uh, the SEC when they don't do well in bowl season. Like th- that. Sure. It's so hard because every team is different. And every matchup is different. I don't like bowl season. The playoffs should be expanded. And March Madness showed once again why it's the greatest college postseason there is. Talk, you talk, Fanta. The college football playoff can go into a porter potty. <laughs> yeah, I mean we we got we got one buzzer beater, which is low by everyone's oh, standards. That's, yeah, that's no, one one game winning buzzer beater. The first and it was unbelievable. The whole but here, here's the thing: we got we got. We got, we had a lot of game-winning shots, right? Yeah, like two yes. of them, yeah. two of them were buzzer beaters that where they put time back on the clock and nothing really mattered. Um, but they both forced forced overtime. It was the first game against uh, Florida State and Virginia Tech forced forced OT, and then it was UCLA and Alabama. Yeah. But we also we had, I oh, swear, there must have been ten games where there was a shot in the air at the buzzer that would have won the game that was like a legit yes. good shot. Like Mac As- Mac- Max Asmus, his shot that was yeah, in the air, sure. like that that moment right there, there's there is nothing better than that. And I'll, I, I, will, I will fight this to the death. Like this is the hill that I will always die on. College basketball has the worst possible way to determine who the best team is. The NCAA Back. tournament is a horrible way, a yeah. horrible way to try to figure out who the best team is. That's it what is. we love. Absolute best way the best. to try to figure out who a champion is. It's the worst yeah. and the best. Yeah, it's the worst yeah. and the best. It's just how it is. I'm with you. I, it's a, well, no, it's the best way to determine who's a champion, and your champion's not always going to be the best team. No, you can't win title as a seven seed, bro. It's the least true. Oh, you're, we have we have more people crashing the stream. Who's this? Who is this guy? Oh, here? Uh, here we go. There we go. Oh, dude, are we talking? Aussie rules football now? Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> Sam, give me your breakdown on Essendon's tra- transfer window. I got nothing right now, man. I've been so locked into basketball, I didn't even get to watch them win last week. <laughs> uh, I wish you could say the same about Tottenham, man. Fuck those guys. <laughs> oh, now you're worried about losing Harry Kane. So, I mean, what have you guys been talking about with this game? Uh, we just we had a, a spirited conversation about Gonzaga and the WCC. We talked a lot about whether or not Baylor built up the, the had the greatest program. So let you know what that's actually interesting. Yeah, I, I want you to take on this, Sam. Um, is Baylor the greatest program built in the history of the sport? I mean, is it a better is it a better build than Gonzaga? Would be my question. Given I, I would the say resource yes, disparity. I would say yes because Baylor has a title now. I would make the argument yes. Okay, I can get that. I, like, I'm totally good with that if that's your case. I don't, like, I don't know. Like, I don't know how interesting that question is to me, to be honest. Like, well, we I, just spent I, it's, 20 minutes talking about it. <laughs> yeah, it better know, be interesting. Like, <laughs> or else we're just losing people by the minute. It's an invalid question. It's just like I think they've both done a great job building the program, and it's like two totally different context surrounding like each situation like Baylor had one player on its team literally murder another player and then got like a death penalty of sorts from college basketball I guess that's kind of a bad phrase for that now that I'm thinking about it um but got all of these crazy penalties and then had to figure out how to rebuild the program Gonzaga has this Jesuit school of like 
how many thousands of people? Not many with Six. very few resources. And now, yeah, 6,000 6, people. Oh. And like, is one of the, what, three best programs in the country? They're yep. as good a chance as anyone to get Chet Holmgren. They're going to get Hunter Salas. They've already gotten Hunter Salas. Like, this is a genuine power now. So it's just, it's two different deals, I guess, yeah. I think. You didn't even mention the best program build in the history of the sport, Sam. You know that, right? Who? I, who? The West Virginia. You. See. Oh, my bad. Oh. Sorry. Hey. Sorry. Hey. Apologies. UConn. 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 Yeah. Think about but, it. But, but again, to, to Sam's point, so UConn got to rise to power after the, the surge from the Big East. Uh, Baylor has gotten to rebuild in a Kansas-dominant Big 12 that has also been fueled by your Texas's, Iowa State. Yes, we talked about that earlier. That was the point I brought up. Like, Baylor, to complete this rebuild and to now climb the mountain, it's not like they had a wide-open door in their league. You're talking about a league that's been dominated by Bill Self for a decade plus and that Chris Beard coaches in. And you've got Kansas, Texas Tech, Texas you named Oklahoma with Buddy Hill, Lon Kruger, and what he put together. The Big 12 is stacked. You could talk about Baylor benefiting from that, getting getting great talent. Yeah, isn't that more to the Gonzaga point? Yeah, but to, to rise up in a league, yeah. you're going to have to unseat people in your yeah. league. And that's why what Baylor's done has impressed me so, so much because they did rise up in their league, and it was validated uh, in this NCAA tournament. Yeah, I mean, how, how many former Hall of Fame coaches or, or future Hall of Fame coaches, I'm sorry, are in the Big 12? Like, yeah, like Deshaun's former Deshaun's former coach is certainly going to be in the Hall of Fame. Someday, hopefully. <laughs> Someday, hopefully. No joke. Um, you know, Long Kruger, I think, has a case, but will probably end up falling short. Chris Beard is an unbelievable coach. Um, you know, we, we can go up and down the roster here of coaches that have been through the Big 12. You know, Fred Hoiberg for a while was considered one of the best coaches in college basketball until he decided to go to the NBA. So it's, you know, I think that the degree of difficulty is probably harder with Baylor, I would say. Would you guys agree? Yeah, yes. absolutely. I yes, agree. Because, because the, 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 uh, the vert is steeper. Uh, because yeah. it's a it's it's a flat cliff with all those teams. But also, as you climb it, you become better and you get more eyeballs because you're playing in that 9 p.m. game on Monday night. If you pull off a big win, you get more eyeballs than any 12:03 win that Gonzaga has yeah. over Pepperdine. Yeah. So it is. And it, it, yeah. There is no right answer, I don't think. But because nah. it, 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 they're two at two different ends of the spectrum of of size, structure, and what they're dealing with and against. The the thing yeah, that's maybe, so incredible about them is that. You're not supposed to come from the bottom of a power conference and become the power of a power yes. conference. Like there's there's a reason why DePaul is DePaul and we always make DePaul jokes, right? There's a reason why BC is BC and we always make Boston College jokes. You're not supposed to do what no. Baylor has done at a school like that where there is no but there is no basketball history there. Like that's the thing there there is none. The basketball history is Scott Drew and something that happened literally 71 years ago. Oh, this was the greatest night ever for them. This is the and greatest night in Baylor basketball yeah. history. You know, mm-hmm. when they usually know for their women's team, but <laughs> I mean, you, you can and honestly, so, like, by the way, can we talk for... about who watched the uh, the 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 Baylor? Was it um, was it the Elite Eight game or the Final Four? Whatever, what the Elite Eight Probably game Elite 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 Elite. When, when Kim Mulkey had on the bright orange uh outfit. Did you see that? Anyone see that? 
every other coach in the country is wearing like the zip ups and the half zips because it's the COVID. Like, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna go uh, our, our Friday casual, and she's out here coaching Baylor in the bright orange pantsuit. I, I was I was cracking up. So can I play devil's advocate on program builds? Like, oh, I'll, yeah. okay, I'll, I'll put, like you bring up UConn, Rob. I just I'm staying in the area. And sure. over Fanta, the last- Fanta, make sure you destroy UConn in this this analogy, oh, all right? No, well. I think I think how can you? How just, can you? Uh, just to just to get into Rob scan for me, just for me. Yeah, that's right. I'm sorry. Is UConn like actually have a case here, or is this like a Rob troll? Yeah, no, no, they do, they do. They no, would they, they, they have a case. Well, ten years ago, they put up the best national championship run of all time, and that's part of look what UConn basketball was before Calhoun. It was not. It was Sam. It was nothing. It was it was it was desolate. Like it was there wasn't even a women's pro. Like it was, it was horrible. Stores Connecticut is basically like it's, a field. Uh, with a bunch of cows and like a lot of heroin. That that's what having, having lived up there, it, and it still is. Still is. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Like the fact, that, the fact that Jim Calhoun turned that into a terrible. powerhouse basketball program is ridiculous. The other I mean, one that I mentioned, Sam, was uh, was Lou Olson in Arizona. So I think that's it's, a I, good think one. Those, I think those are the four to me. Okay, but, but Arizona but, wasn't but, anything before Lou. I want to hear what Fanta. Right, go ahead, Fanta. Go go go. I'm sorry. Okay. K- undergraduate campus, about fifty eight hundred. About 5,800, 6,000 at most. At most. Catholic school um, was not a was not a program that you relied on to make NCAA tournament runs and had one national championship up until the last half decade. And their record over the last eight seasons is 233 and 45. And this year, everybody had them out. And here they are in the second weekend. And that's Villanova. I mean, when you're talking about program builds, Nobody has won more games over the last eight years than Jay Wright. The, yeah. the only problem with that is, is that they won a title in '85. Like, I, they're they're in my mind. I I think you you have a better argument calling Villanova a blue blood than you do like putting that in this. You know what I'm saying? Like, Villanova's always been awesome to me. Yeah, they've been good always since I've always been good since I, I mean, was they, like they, they have 13. been identifiable. <laughs> yeah, identifiable. Good sport. Yes, they, they have, even when they were in fifth place in the Big East in 1996, they had Kerry Kittles. Uh, they were identifiable. He was one of the, like, that, that, and they were responsible for up until, I don't know, a decade ago for the biggest upset in, uh, in championship, in, in tournament history, let alone championship history. But recently, and I think you brought up a good point, is I com- forgot about this. Jay Wright did his own rebuild there. While he was coaching, (laughs) that's what you don't see because a lot of coaches don't have the like the self awareness to be like, I'm not doing it right. I need to change this because most coaches want to say, you need to change what you're doing to play for me, and he changed what he was doing to coach his team better. You know, I mean, like every coach has to now change of what they're doing because there are as many transfers as there are. Jay Wright does not have that problem. Are we missing the obvious one? Like UCLA, like it looks like I'm just like looking here and Googling oh, like rebuild? before John Wooden, before John Wooden got there, like in the, like 40, the, the last coach before that was 93 and 120. Okay. Okay. Yeah, but there was also one like NYU was a powerhouse. <laughs> I'm not, not going to say UCLA. There were some, there were some stones there, possibly. Championships in 12 years. <laughs> <laughs> Kareem definitely helped. 
<laughs> no, I mean, no, no, like Kareem, Bill Walton, all these dudes, like 100% yeah, so you, football, All you got to do is build a good JV program at that point. And that team and work it up. You know? What year was that again? I keep. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like, guys. probably four times as old as I am at this point. <laughs> I, mean, it was, I, mean, Rob, I mean, that was back when what, Robbie Hummel was a, was a freshman. Hey, oh shit, I'm older than Robbie, so I can't even say anything. <laughs> Shut up. Dan, like, as an NBA draft expert, can you speak to – you've spoken to it before, but, like, the continual greatness of Davion Mitchell again tonight, I, it's no surprise, but this guy from a two-way standpoint, my goodness. Yeah, I love Davion. Like, Baylor's coaching staff has been on me for the last – year and a half probably it's been like since early last season saying Davion is the guy like Davion is the guy on our roster who is a future pro I'm tell- like we're telling you this is our dude and I was a little bit slow to it like I didn't really see it last year I thought he really did improve as a shooter I mean he got so much better over the course of last summer I don't think there's a more improved player in the entire country than Davion Mitchell this year to go from where he was as a shooter in high school to where he was at Auburn, to where he was even last season at Baylor, to becoming like a 45% three-point shooter. Unbelievable. He's an incredible decision-maker and passer out of pick and roll. Uh, unbelievable defender, obviously. It's just such a clean fit in the NBA, I think. Like, I, I think people are overthinking Davion Mitchell. Like, oh, he's older. He's this, he's that. He's an elite-level defender who can shoot, who can actually run a reasonable point guard. And his, his burst, his burst. The, the thing about him is like he can do all of those things, but his burst right. and his ability to get by people is like Kemba esque. Can you think right, of like anything I, other I, than Kemba that 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 has the first step that he has? I uh, mean, I'd have to like really think. I, I would imagine yes, probably, but um, I, I'd have to like really go back. I, I don't think I have Aaron to Brooks, step, like, on fastest first level. step I've ever seen. Aaron Brooks, um, that's a go. But I will. Like with Davion, like he's definitely got to be a lottery pick at this point, right? Like, there's no, oh. like, I don't care how old this dude is. Pick him five or six, man. I I pick him in the top ten, no brainer. If he didn't know, uh, if he didn't, would you be surprised though? But if he doesn't go the, like, yeah, if he doesn't, if he's not like in, let's say like the top fifteen, would you be surprised? Like, wow, like that's bad. I, I would no I would. because. Well, there are still enough irrational actors in the NBA to where, like, very little <laughs> surprises it. me at yeah. this point. But, I mean, like, me personally, like, I'm going to have Davion as a top 10 guy. Like, I'm going to feel good about having him. Like, I was talking to someone earlier tonight. Like, he was like, yeah, I think I'll bet on Moses Moody, who's 18 years old, like, figuring it out over the course of the next couple of years before I bet on Davion Mitchell. And what my, my response to that was – I mean, Moses Me doesn't have the tools that Davion does even, just in terms of first step burst, in terms of uh, like even like he's long, but he's not all that athletic. Like he doesn't have yeah. that pop. So yeah. I, I don't know. Like I think that he's just a stud. Like why would you not bet on this kid who's an elite competitor, elite worker, like everything across the board? Like I, I'm, just, I'm in on Davion Mitchell at this yeah. point. Yeah. Playing devil's advocate real quick here is, and because it, length and, and wingspan is all about the NBA draft, but 
He's six two, listed. I don't yeah, know how, actually yeah. how tall he is. He's going to be at least an inch, maybe two inches uh, shorter than any other person in the lottery. And six two and six one, six foot guards are, are you got to be excellent and have a skill set that is so above, uh, far and above everything else. Is that a concern? And is that a reason why he hasn't been a, a lottery pick up until essentially tonight, where he's solidified that? How how big of an issue is being a six two guard at the next level? Very difficult, I, it, I would assume. Yeah, very <laughs> fucking difficult. Uh, very very difficult. But the the reason that it tends to be difficult is twofold. First, those guys tend to be tough to slot in defensively at that level. I mean, like I feel good about him defensively at the next level. I don't know about you guys. It's <laughs> it, we got it. Is that, is that does that mean Goodman's coming? <laughs> Did Fana just run away because Goodman's coming? I think someone had like an emergency alert broadcast. That's the morning. Yeah, there we go. Put your TV on working. mute, Dave. Yeah, what are you? Are you a rookie? That I'm in. Be- I'm in this room, so I can't just like go back and forth. <laughs> that that should be the sound Goodman gets when an Indiana fan tweets it in. <laughs> He'd be getting that sound all day. I don't know if we can yeah, wish yeah, that on him. He never finished oh. the statement. Troy, just my take, Sam, we're going to jump in real quick on the height thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so the two guys that I think Davion reminds me the most of, and Sam, tell me if either of these are off base. One is Kemba because of the burst and because of the shot making and the way that he can create space with like the step backs and the cross back and like all of, all of his dribble moves create space. Um, the other guy is Davion Mitchell, or I'm sorry, is, is Donovan Mitchell. <laughs> I was like, really? Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and they're both like kind of shorter, really good athletes, really good at kind of scoring in isolation. Um, and I think the difference is that he's a little bit more of a creator and a better passer. But to me, that's kind of where the role I see him, which is why I'm so high on him, because I think he can be a guy that when you let him kind of rock a little bit more and, and give him less responsibility as a creator and more responsibility kind of as a guy to just go – take advantage of the fact you're going to have all this space at the next level. I think he can be a guy that can average like 15 to 18 points in the next level. Really? Is that crazy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I kind of – because I don't I see would, him shoot the ball. That, I, I'm just kidding. I shoot the ball. I don't see him scoring to that elite type of – not elite because well, 15 a game is an elite, but him walking into a team where the professionals are already there and established and him them handing him the basketball, I don't know if – 15, 16 a night is where I see. I'm not, I'm not saying that's a rookie. I think he can get there. I think I think uh, and, and do time. Yeah, I think he can get yeah. there. I think that's what his ceiling can be. Like when he's I agree with you. I agree with you. Yeah, I can live with that. I was thinking I, you were saying rookie year, bam. Like I'm not I'm not quite there right now. And the reason that I would say that is, you know, we saw a flash of like his pull up game earlier tonight. Like I think he went left to right, right to the left, and like left to right, right foot sidestep, mid-range jumper earlier. Like, that's not normal for him in terms of, like, that pull-up game as a scorer, kind of like what Deshaun was saying, right? Like, mm. he, he doesn't have that kind of pull-up game typically. Now, maybe he does have that in his bag, and, like, we just don't know, right? Like, given the flash we saw tonight, like, maybe he just has it. But, I mean, the guy, like, in terms of Kemba, too, like, Kemba's handle is – and this is no disrespect to Davion Mitchell because Kemba Walker might have the best handle in the NBA, but like Kemba Walker's handle is like drastically better than Davion and, Mitchell's. And, and, and he's a better shooter. And he's a better shooter. He agrees with that. Yeah. 
Oh, no, that, you know, I, Shut up. Leave Gary alone. No, but, but Great so, guy. Great guy. So, <laughs> the, the reason Kemba hit that shot is because Kemba's stagger game and his dribble hesitation was so good. He is so good at going in and stepping back. And it's because he's shorter. So, and like one of our commenters, dependent fanatics said, if you give up three inches, then you have to you have to get three or more inches of separation. That is what Kemba Walker was so good at is yeah. moving the defender, coming back, going one way, coming back. So that is so that's what I'm saying. Like, if he can create separation, I don't think height length matters, but I wonder about that at the next level. And also, yeah. are they gonna is is a GM gonna take a flyer or a lottery pick, gonna waste a lottery pick? On a 21-year-old who's undersized. Those are so, numbers so, yeah. that matter. Not to mention, I haven't really seen him create that type of separation from the people that he's been playing against. Like oh, he he has he 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 create when I say he gets away from people, yeah, for sure. He can like hezzy and go downhill in a heartbeat. But as no, far as I, side I this side, I haven't seen him create that kind of separation away from people. Like that's one of the things, like you brought up Kemba, and I thought it was interesting because. Well, Kemba shot the ball great. He 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 his ball handling is obviously elite. So obviously it was a little bit easier for him to blow by people. He's a, a pretty good athlete, quick as far as that comes. But uh, when I look yeah. at Davion, I don't I don't yeah. see that there some, not there that style, some, but I don't see that though. There there oh, are some examples of it, like the the three that he hit at the end of the first half against yes. Houston. Step yeah. back was nasty. Okay. Okay. He had one against uh, Villanova. Where he drives right and crosses over to his left and left. I don't, I think it was Justin Moore that was guarding him, but he legit created like 10 oh, feet. Yeah. And I was well, like, I was like, God damn. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. Who knows? I, I think that like we we often drastically underestimate how fucking good NBA like role players are. Right? <laughs> Bro, <laughs> like, that's like Tony, how about all Tony the time? Allen won the Big 12 player of the year award and like didn't get guarded in multiple playoff series because he wasn't good enough offensively. Patrick Beverly averaged like 13, six and four or something in two years at Arkansas was a five-star prospect. And the dude had to go over to Ukraine to become an (laughs) NBA player. Yeah. Like, I mean, like Davion Mitchell, like all due respect, and I love him as a prospect and I would take him to the top 10. Like I'm in on him, but I mean, Let me it's, ask you this. it's tough, man. Like, it's really hard. What you and that's what I'm saying. At 6'2", like, I think of, like, Chris Paul. I think of, like, like all these other guards. And I look at Davion. Obviously, you're thinking of the finished product that he's, like, great point guards. But it's just, like, what you want from a point guard at 6'2", unless he's just, like, De'Aaron Fox blindingly fast or he's just freaking the sick athlete from uh, – <laughs> What's our guy's name? I, I, I'm slipping. Uh, my his name is slipping my mind from the Grizzlies. John Morant, John Morant from John the Grizzlies. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, like it, it, or just a blindingly amazing shooter from three. Elite. Then skill. it's just like the, 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 the you have to have one absolute elite skill. Got to be great at something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. yeah, but he's great and at then, defense. Defense is a yeah. great. Is a great. Well, that's his why I'm thing, But I just wonder why. Offensively, I just well, that's the thing that kind of I worry about because well, he's like he's good at a lot of things, but he's but not I think great at those. I think there's flashes of that offense, and I think because mm-hmm. of how hard he plays defensively, it's too there's too much there that I think can translate to the NBA to say I'm waiting for after the top ten. To, good point, D. Drew Holiday I, is a great point. There's a there's a combination. I agree with D on Drew Holiday. I agree with that. 
But I also think there's a combination of there's a real undefined nature to this draft after the top five. And I yeah. think there is yeah. a bit yeah. of a defined nature in Davion Mitchell. And just because he's 21 years of age, I still think there's reason to believe that there's more ceiling there than there might be for the 19-year-old who I've seen more cons than pros from. Yeah, and I facts, agree with you, facts. Fana. Like, development, development is not linear. Like, it yeah. happens in spurts, especially for yeah. these guys like Davion that are elite level character, hyper competitive, Mm -hmm. crazy workers, like the things that we know he is. And again, like I would happily take him to the top 10, but here's the thing. If you told me I was getting Patrick Beverly with the 10th pick in this draft or the eighth pick in this draft, I would take that and be fine with it. And it's part of that. Fine, quantifiable product. Yeah, yeah. Tibbs would take Dave Allen Mitchell. (laughs) Tibbs would play him 65 minutes in a, in a 40 yeah, minute 45, game. Eggs, facts. If you're getting anything quantifiable in a superstar driven league, if you're getting anything quantifiable after the top five, I'm, I'm taking it. Where do yeah. I sign the papers? Because it is so hard. It is so hard to get quantifiable talent as the draft deepens. You yeah. have, you actually might be in a better position having the 24th pick in the draft than you do the, the 12th pick in the draft because there's more pressure on you at 12 to find that guy. Yep. That guy might be sitting at 24 but was counted out and doubted for a variety of random reasons. There's there's the, the randomness of the draft itself. And on draft night, if you pick deeper, you might end up lucking out. You have as much of a shot at – like this is the nature of the NBA draft. I believe that in most cases you have as much of a chance as the – team that's picking 23rd in the draft as you have on the team picking 15th or 16th because there's that much of an unknown once you once you get deeper and deeper and i'd rather but, pick 23rd and let all those eight teams that's what i'm saying and, 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 pick the guys. Yeah. <laughs> and then, then i'll be the spurs no. and take and i'll take kyle anderson at 31 and be like I what i'll take a 610 point guard who was pac-12 player of the year at 31 like yes I'll be. I'll take LeBron. I never and I'm taking the number one pick. So yeah, I don't, don't want to be pick twenty three. I'll, I'll take the grandma in Space Jam over Anthony Bennett. What about Kyrie Irving? Don't do that. Don't do that for all those number ones. Don't do that. Was that some Cleveland PTSD there, Phantom? Yeah. Twenty thirteen was a wash. 2015, there was no number one pick. That was a – I feel bad. Yeah, that, I, Anthony, that. Does, Anthony Bennett doesn't deserve that heat. Hold on, exactly. hold on. Fan, fan is obsessed, you guys, you guys, This is going to be a callback. You guys want to hear a crazy stat? I got a crazy stat for you. Gonzaga against one, two, and three seasons 2001 is one and 12. Their winning percentage is 7.6%. 14. Who, do, who, who are those seeds? Who who what are those teams? I wonder. I, I don't I don't remember. But 14, Dog, I asked you this question. No, hold on. Ago. 14, 15, and 16 seeds since 2001 are 16 and 224 against one, two, and three seeds. Their winning percentage is 6.6%. So Gonzaga is basically a 14 seed in the NCAA tournament. It's confirmed. It's mathematically confirmed. It's proof. They so, started right. When I say, when I say it, I'm, I'm an idiot. I, I should have looked where you looked. Take your bow. Right. Do it. Let me see it. Take your victory. Rob, is this, Listen, this I don't take any joy. I don't take any joy in saying Gonzaga is not good against the top three teams. I think – I just wish that they would win this so I can give Fuey his flowers, man. 
Don't lie. He deserves you it. Love it. You he love deserves it. it. You love it taking your victory laps because you finally got something. Of course. Right. I'm just going to text you. I'm going to text you in a slide and then just talk my crap to you in a slide. Dude, that's sports, man. Like, I, I, found, I found myself rooting for LeBron to win the title in Cleveland Why, because it was like, because it was like, I was, you know what? Like, I, you, you, we like we like we like to crap on teams for being embarrassing and losing, but then when they make the the face turn and they they do it the right way, you're like, you know what? As a sports fan, I can at least get behind this. Also, my teams usually suck, so I'm not rooting for them. But like, I can get behind a good story and and like watching someone achieve something that no one said they could or the fans said they couldn't. It's cool as a real sports fan. It it makes you feel something, man. It's cool. Like yeah. I. I want to see Gonzaga win so we can stop talking about I want to see Gonzaga win bad. Look at our last national champion. Virginia. Virginia. Yeah. From the ultimate setback to the ultimate redemption story. From being in a press conference, you brought up that 14, 15, 16, which is what made me think of this. I remember sitting in the press conference down in Charlotte. um, I I had the blessing of actually being in the building for UMBC's upset. Wild stuff. And I'm sitting there. And one of the longtime Roanoke, Virginia reporters—I won't unveil his name—but he goes, he goes to, he goes to uh, Kyle Guy is at the podium, literally crying. Kyle, uh, you know, what's the feeling of being the first one to lose to a sixteen? Like, what an asshole question after that! But the, <laughs> just totally like out of line. Like, there are questions that you need to ask, and then there's questions that you simply are not asking an eight-year-old kid. And and that's exactly what was asked. But that's the that's the pageantry of this sport. Is yeah. Mark Few going to climb the mountain? Heck yes. Is there a crowd out there of people who say that Mark Few can't coach? There are there are losers out there who say it. Just like there's a loser. <laughs> there's a loser. This is we are we are a product of our own product. In that every morning on one TV show, there's a there's someone who debates, and just this morning said that Jalen Suggs' forty footer was quote unquote lucky. Like the fact that that man is making the amount of money that he gets. Don't, don't get fired, Fanta. And he's talking. <laughs> and he's talking about a kid. We're talking about kids here. You know, at the end of the day, like we could we could break down every game, every analytic, every metric, and I'm not going to get fired. But I'm going to say this: we are talking about 18 to 22 year old kids who we all know what life like that was like. It's only harder in 2021 because God only knows the way our world is and has evolved and gone the wrong direction over the last 13 months. You know, uh, not to get too sentimental, but as we close, as as it's nearly 1 a.m., like, hats off to the kids, the coaches, again, the NCAA. They made this happen, and, and you, you tip your cap to say, we made it. We made it to the end of this road, and you congratulate Baylor. But you also acknowledge the fact that Gonzaga went 31-1. and Tonight they Thanks. won, but they had one of the great seasons in the sports history. All right, so let's, let's, let's end it with this, guys. Um, yeah. well, I, want, I want your favorite – the most memorable moment, your favorite moment, the the best thing that you saw in this NCAA tournament that had nothing to do with the Gonzaga UCLA Final Four game, um, because that's that's what we're all uh, probably going to end up saying. Oh. So Fanta, Fanta, I'm putting. Oh, Troy, you got one. What do you got? Yes, let's go yeah, you. let's go. Um, so uh, it was absolutely not Texas, uh, or sorry, not uh, Abilene Christian beating Texas, but Abilene Christian beating Texas, and then the dude on the bench throwing the horns down. I, I think the the uh, national media or national college football or Texas media being doing horns down is the most offensive thing you could do. I absolutely love when a bench player on a 14 seed beats a three seed and then throws up the most offensive symbol in sports in that state to the team they just beat. 
and then chased off the uh, the head coach to Marquette. That, that, like, again, and that's just 18-year-olds being 18-year-olds. That's what this really inconsistent, fun sporting event is about. It's just insulting people for no reason. That that's how, how big of a legend do you think that dude is on the Abilene Christian campus? Hey, he, like I said, he is never going to drink for free in the state of Texas again. And in a lot of parts, he's not going to be able to drink in Texas again. <laughs> what, what kind of you, you can't, you can't do that, Abilene Christian? They won't remember. Yeah, yeah. they won't. That's remember. mine. That's mine. All right, uh, what do you got, Fanta? Um. You know, I, I will go ahead and stick with the Cinderella role, and I just thought what Max Aismas and Kevin O'Banner gave us, it's its certainly not often that a 15 seed does what, what they did. The last one, the only other one was FGCU. And I thought Paul Mills, just the, the job that he did with this team was fantastic. What impressed me more than anything about um, Oral Roberts was that both against Ohio State and Florida, they trailed. They trailed for a good portion of those games and still kept on fighting. They're everything that this tournament is about. And to be a 15 seed with college basketball's top scoring duo, I always love when a number throughout the season, sometimes the national person or, or someone will say, ah, it's skewed. They, they don't play in a good league. Like that that won't last in the tournament. I always love when two kids just prove everybody wrong. And I thought that O'Banner and Aismas – we're just fantastic in this. So I want to give a hat tip to Oral Roberts, and I want to give a hat tip to the way this tournament started. I, I fell in love with the Mick Cronin, Hep Cronin connection. It made Mick Cronin lovable, and I was all down for that. It, it was everything that the last 13 months has been like where a father and a son haven't seen each other, and they got to live March Madness together. That's awfully cool. Deshaun? I'd have to go with the uh, Oregon State Beavers. I was very happy with them, like winning the uh, the Pac-12 for the first time and uh, taking that momentum into the tournament and getting three dubs. Coach Tangle, uh, uh, I'm a big fan, so I'll be paying Excellent. attention to them a lot more uh, for Excellent. sure. I was just very happy with the way they finished their season off because it could have ended right after conference tournament. Sam, what do you got? Yeah, you guys picked, like, runs and everything. Like, if we're going to go just, like, one moment, um, I would say Evan Mobley, like, ending, who was it, Eugene Omiyuri's life? No, no. Oh, my gosh. That was was That dunk was one of the (laughs) most fun fucking things I think I've ever seen in my life. That was insane. The memes we got just – were incredible. Like, I don't think I've ever seen someone go, like, straight through someone's arms who's, like, in a legal, like, vertical position like that in the way that, like, Evan Mobley made it look like he was dunking on a referee who was signaling that he scored a touchdown. (laughs) Like, it was unbelievable. So that's me. I'm going Evan Mobley. All right, man. All right. So mine. Come on. Mine. Mine's going to be a little bit different than yours. Mine came at 5.10 p.m. on Thursday, March 18th, in Assembly Hall. And that was when Texas Southern and Mount St. Mary's tipped off in the first game of the NCAA tournament because it meant that we had March Madness back. Now, here's the thing. I'm going to get sentimental for a minute because – I. so this was the hardest year that I've ever had professionally. I got laid off in August, right? I had to build – a fucking podcast network from scratch, not knowing how to do any of this stuff, not knowing how to stream, not knowing how to edit video, how to do anything, right? I didn't know how I was going to make money. I didn't know where any of this stuff was going to come from. And 
between all the people that have helped out on this podcast network, all the people that have chipped in uh, and helped with advertising revenue, all the people that have retweeted stuff, uh, these four idiots here that have come on these streams and sat with us, all the people listening that have come on and consumed the content that we've been creating. Um, it's been uh, the I, probably the hardest I've ever worked in my life, but I've never done anything that's been more rewarding than actually putting something together that is mine, that I've been able to build, that we've been able to develop, and that we've been able to make a little bit of money off of. So I want to thank everybody here, all the people listening, all the people that are watching, all the people that have sat on these streams, all the people that have taken part in the podcast networks. Thank you. This has been awesome. This has been an unbelievable season kept off by an unbelievable tournament. We did not get the unbelievable game that I was hoping for in the national title game, but we have an unbelievable story with Baylor winning the national title. So to everyone involved, to everybody on the stream, to everybody watching, cheers to you. Let's fucking go. Man, you guys drinking. I feel I feel left out. It's like 